Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country and as always they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. How awesome is that? I'm Dean, hashtag Blessed Windsor, and today we have a great show for you. We have sermons from Montana, Georgia, and Washington, the Pacific Northeast. Everybody loves that. We also have an interview from author Christian Mills. You're going to want to stick around and see that. She's here to discuss her new book, Surrendered. But first, it's Pastor Levi Lusco of Fresh Life Church in Kalispell, Montana. He's continuing their sermon series focusing on First Peter. This week, his sermon is titled, Like Your Life Depends On It. He shares with us how Jesus wants us to have a life that overflows, and he gives us great examples on how we can have an overflowing life. Next, we go to Forsyth, Georgia with Pastor Chris Emmett at Mountain Lake Church. His sermon is titled, Under Pressure, See What? All right, it's kind of confusing, but we'll get it a little later. In the message, Pastor Chris shows us that the power of God is greater than the power of the pressure of the world. You get it now? This message will leave you encouraged and give you practical tools to help with the pressures you encounter. Lastly, we go to Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington with Pastor Daniel Fusco. His sermon is titled, Get the Word Out, and he wants us to share the good news of the gospel to everyone. He also wants us to know that God is worthy of praise even when times get hard. God is good all the time. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Y'all got to listen up. I'll be joined by Pastor Emmanuel Barlow of the Excelling Church in the Bronx. That's right, the Boogie Down's in the building today, and he's here to help us break down these sermons. We'll get back to him a little later, but right now I want to get to Pastor Levi Lusco in Kalispell, Montana. Let's check him out. Come on, don't give up. Keep praying. It gives you strength when you pray. Praying without ceasing is key to our ability to set aside sins that linger, sins that we struggle with. There is a, there's a connection between sins we struggle with and prayers that we leave unprayed. And that's why he talks about praying as he does, picking up a thought that he began in verse 3 about sinning. Notice in verse 3, we didn't read it today, but he has this list of sins that he said, you gave enough time before you gave your life to Jesus to these things. Debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. That's putting anything above God. He said, y'all, you spent enough time messing with that stuff before you gave your life to Jesus. Why are you still messing with that stuff? And then here, now, he, I believe he still has those things in his mind as he brings up the subject of prayer. What's the point? The point is praying without ceasing is the key to unlocking power for unclean living, for clean living. If we want to live a pure life, the strength comes in our prayer life. That's where God gives us the ability. And I honestly have found in my life that when I pray without ceasing, it's an automatic course correction for sinful choices that I would make. I heard one old pastor put it this way. If you just don't do anything you couldn't do while you simultaneously pray, right? That, that, that cures it up right there. Right? If you couldn't watch that movie and pray, if you couldn't be in that situation and pray, if you couldn't be doing what you're doing on that date, single people, and pray, right? You're like, I was just praying in tongues. That's a different sermon. That's a different, that's a different sermon. But to think about the power that we can have. I think that the key in life is to remain, to remain. So often when we want to grow, when we want to get rid of a sinful thing in our life, when we want to see something happen, what do we do? We make the mistake of straining. Ugh. The good stuff doesn't come when you strain. 
It comes when you remain. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Y'all, you ever been to Napa? Those, those branches aren't like, ugh, to, to, to produce grapes. They're not, I mean, they, are, they seem chill. I've never been somewhere chiller in my life than Napa. I, I was preaching in Sacramento. They said, hey, before you come, could we put you and your wife up for a night in, in Napa? I said, yes. And, and, and I, was, I, I, I was walking around these vineyards. We were staying at this house. There's just vineyards everywhere. I was walking around. I felt like I was literally living in the Gospels because Jesus is always referring to grapes and stuff because you go to Israel, there's grapes everywhere. So he would just be like, hey, that, that branch thingy, that's me. And that, that, or that vine thingy, that's me. That, the branch thingy, that's you. I'm going to make some grapes, and I'm willing to do it through you, but only if you connect to me. It's the vine that makes the grapes, not the branch. The branch is just a tube. Snap the branch off, lie it on the ground. You see how many grapes it's going to produce. The answer is zero. Your power is in your connectivity. Your power is in your ability to stay put and remain. And prayer is what causes you to remain planted in the vine so he can grow the fruit in you. So many Christians are struggling to grow. I want to grow. I just want to be used by God. And it's, it's like you look constipated. Just chill. Come on, just chill and walk with God. Just chill and let your dialogue with God continue throughout your day, and you will watch as he grows grapes through you. I wrote this down. Don't carry what's supposed to carry you. And I wrote that because I was watching my son the other day. And, and he has this bicycle he got for his birthday. And I was watching him, and he was doing it so wrong. Look at this. How's that working, bud? Is that going good? Come on, get on your bike and ride, baby. God gave you a bike. You got to get on the bike. Don't try and carry. But that's so many Christians. Oh, it's so hard to walk with God. I'm just trying to. Come on, just, just get on it and ride. Come on, ride. You got you to gotta remain in the vine, and you just watch as he grows his fruit through you. Is that encouraging anybody today? All right, Pastor Levi, let's go always with the energy and just bringing a really good analogy today. Pastor Emmanuel, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. All right, good. So since you're excited, I want to get right into, because he's, you know, I, I love the analogy about the grapes and, mm -hmm. and us being, you know, the vine that, that has to be connected to the main part of the, but he also was talking about just being chill yeah. and not being so like strained mm -hmm. on being this righteous person. Like how would you tell me to be like more chill in my pursuit of God? I think that it's very important that we recognize that we no longer live under the weight of the law. Mm. Okay. And we, we live in a dispensation of grace, right? Where Jesus says, I, I don't come to do away with the law, but I come that the law might be fulfilled, right? And so a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves to be upright and holy, when just like Pastor Lusco said, it's not you. You can't make yourself holy. Okay. You, you, you just can't do it, right? So you kind of just have to relax and trust and believe that God is going to direct and lead you in every step of the way. He, he mentioned that the vine, uh, the branch does not produce the, the grapes. Mm. The vine produces the grapes through the branch, mm. right? So 
take a minute and just step back. The Bible tells us being confident in this very thing, that he that hath begun the good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if God has already started working in you, be confident in that whatever is wrong in God's time, he will make right. If you take a grape off the branch too soon, it's bitter. Okay. And it's not good for any use. Whereas if you wait until it's ripe, then you get the most productivity out of that grape. So when you wait on God to perfect you, mm -hmm. then you get the most productivity out of your life. See, but that's the thing too. Like a lot of us can get impatient mm -hmm. in waiting on God because we don't understand or we can't grasp the concept of God's time and God's timing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is there any insight into that or, or as to, you know, the way, you know, God kind of acts in, in his own way? It's interesting. Um, I just had this conversation with a friend of mine where he was just like, you know, I, I'm tired of waiting. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Um, and it's kind of like you have to recognize that God's ways are not our ways mm. and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And this is where faith comes in because faith says, I don't see it, but I know it's going to be okay. I love that. See, right from Pastor Emmanuel. Don't see it, but it's going to be okay. And we're going to be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Levi Lusco in Montana, but right now I want to get to Pastor Chris Hemmett down in Georgia. Let's go ahead and check him out. How in the world do you experience the power of God in and through your life when you look around and all you see are the pressures of the world around your life? Just a few ideas I want to point out. Look at, go back to verse 16. Verse 16, three simple words, don't be afraid. Elisha told them, for they're more on our side than ours. First idea is this, fear not. Fear not. Call it fear, worry, anxiety, whatever you want to call it. But, man, when, when we are surrounded by those things, our natural inclination is to go immediately to fear or immediately to anxiety or immediately to worry. It's that, that, it's that, that thing inside of us where we just go, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen at work. I might get fired. They might let me go. We don't have enough money to pay these bills. There's tension in the family. There's tension at school. I've got issues with this teacher. I've got opportunities. I've got drama in my life, and it's all around me, and we instantly go to fear. And what typically happens is we tend to go to the worst-case scenario. Well, this is probably how it's going to go. I'm going to get fired or you know, they're not going to find an, an illness for my disease. Or We go to the nth degree. And here's what you, you've got to understand this. Is that the power of God makes the impossible extremely possible. The power of God makes the impossible extremely possible. So when you go and you're first going, I'm scared to death. I've got worry. I've got, it's impossible that this will ever work out. The same power that brought Christ Jesus back from the, the dead. The tomb is empty. The impossible happened. And that same power, the truth is, is that you can experience it in your life. 
But what happens is we instantly go to fear, we instantly go to worry, we instantly go to anxiety. The same as the servant Elisha, and Elisha says, do not be afraid. First John chapter 4, John writes, he says, perfect love cast out all fear. And he's talking about the perfect love of God. And so as sons and daughters of God, you and I experience that perfect love. And that perfect love, when we really understand it, casts out all fear, worry, and anxiety, and gives you the credentials to walk into places and to step into callings that you didn't think you had, but because the power of God is alive and in you, you begin to walk with confidence and not with fear. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of the phrase, the 800-pound gorilla? Just by a show of hands, yeah, the old joke, where does an 800-pound gorilla sit? Wherever he wants to, all right? That's the old joke. Not a funny joke, but it was an old joke, all right? So the, funny, the thing about the 800-pound gorilla, we use that to describe like something looming in our life. Oh, it's the 800-pound gorilla I've got to face. Well, this conversation, the 800-pound gorilla I've got to face. Did you know that an 800-pound gorilla only exists in your mind? The average weight of a gorilla is four, maybe 500 pounds at the most. But that's, that's why you come to Mountain Lake Church, to find out scientific facts like that. There's no such thing as an 800-pound gorilla. But in our minds, we've taken the weight and just doubled it. Well, if it's four or five, it's got to be 800 pounds. Well, there's this little issue. It's never going to work out. It's impossible. In your mind, sure. And in your ability, sure. But when you experience the power of God, it's fear not. It's fret not. It's worry not. What happens is we take a problem and we double it and go, this is what's going to happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but perfect love casts out all fear. Fear not. All right, Pastor Chris Emmett, using a cliche, it's a really kind of outline fear pretty mm -hmm. much. But So I do this thing where I actively like round up everything in my life, um, which is why, you know, to me, I do think of the 800-pound gorilla because then when I'm faced with the 400-pound gorilla, it doesn't seem so bad. So I, I thought I was being clever. Like, am I wrong for like doing this actively? You know, when, when it's God, mm -hmm. right? Because Pastor Emma said, perfect love cast out all fear, right? God is love. Mm. So when God is in the midst of it, he gets rid of the fear. It's kind of like when, uh, anytime God calls someone to speak on his behalf, Moses, uh, Elijah, Jeremiah, everybody had a reason why they couldn't. And it was that fear of what are people going to think, what are people going to say, or, or whatever the fear in them was, it was that fear. But when God told them that I'm sending you, hmm. and when he tells them to open your mouth and I will speak, that erases that fear. You get what I'm saying? And when you allow God to work through you, and again, we're kind of going back to Pastor Lusco, right? Because when you allow the vine to produce the grapes in you, then there's no reason to fear because everything he does is perfect. Mm. All right. So it's, it's almost like that, that, um, that feeling of just knowing, you know, somebody's got your back. Right. Constantly. Right. right? So, so you're walking into any situation thinking, which... I've been able to do, but there are certain situations where I get a little nervous and, and I get, you know, because it's not that I forget that God mm -hmm. has my back. It's just, I think, the onset of being a human. And, and I definitely want to get into this a little more. Mm -hmm. But right now we have to uh, go ahead and switch it over to Pastor Daniel Fusco up in uh, 
the Pacific Northwest in Washington. Let's go ahead and check him out, and we'll be back with more Pastor Chris Emmett a little later. So I'd say it to you this way, that you need to praise and fear the Lord. You need to praise and fear the Lord. Now, of course, I mean, it's beautiful here because really what he's saying is, for the Lord is great, and because God is great, he's greatly to be praised. So the, the, the human response to the presence of God is to praise God. Now, listen, it's not a weird thing to think that you should praise God because when someone does something good, what should you do? You should praise them for it. Right? Like, like if, you have a, if you're raising kids and, and all you want is for your kid to like put their dishes in, in the sink after dinner and they do that, what should you say? Great job. You're awesome because whatever you celebrate, you get more of. Right? And so like when you pray, if, if you're at work, right? And let's say, you say you're training somebody and the very first time they do that data ent entry right, you should be like, awesome. That's it right there. Because the positive reinforcement helps people grow. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't need positive reinforcement because he feels deficient. God is praiseworthy, so we praise him. You actually walk in truth when you praise God. Because God always does good things. If you don't believe me, how many of you saw the lightning a few nights ago? Yeah. Now, I, you may not like light, lightning, but that stuff's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, some of my favorite photos is when a photographer catches the lightning at the right time and you see the thing. And it's like, man, God just made that. That's like an, a moment of God's artistic work. Last night when the sun was going down, where I live in North County, it was like the sun was going down, but the, the sun peeked out under the cloud line and the colors were just awesome, right? Like now, if somebody, if Bob Ross with his big fro would be up there, man, I'm gonna make me a nice little sunset right here. You know what I mean? We'd be like, wow. I mean, he was on TV forever. Right? He's a cultural icon. That was just one of infinite numbers of sunsets that God has painted. And guess what? Depending on where you live and your vantage point, the sunset looks different for everybody. How, I mean, think about how cool that is. When Bob Ross, he made his happy little clouds, they were always just that one happy little cloud. All along the globe, at any given moment, God is doing infinite happy little clouds for people. See, God deserves praise because all the things that God does is awesome. God's work is done. And so we should live a life praising the Lord. He's greatly to be praised. There's infinite reasons to praise God. And when God is the center of your life, you begin to praise God. Because God always does those things well. Everything that God has done is well. Even when things go bad, you realize that because God is good and God can redeem things, you could say, God, I don't understand this, but I praise you. I think it was uh, Horatio Spatford. Remember, he was... He lost everything in the Chicago fires and then his wife and his kids were traveling across uh, back to uh, um, Europe and then their, uh, their boat sank and they all passed away. Horrible story. He, he sent his family away from the Chicago fires and sure enough, when he was going back to Europe, you know, right as his boat hit the spot where his wife and daughters died, he sat down and he wrote a hymn, It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Because he's saying, when things go wrong, you're still good. And so we should praise God. All right, Pastor Daniel Fusco, getting really deep on that one. Yeah. And um, 
But he starts talking about praise and, mm -hmm. and how important it is. And I, and I feel like sometimes maybe like it's possible to, that praise becomes kind of cliche to people sometimes. And it's like, you know, you, you rush home to watch your favorite show. It's the season finale. And you're like, oh, thank God that I got home to watch my show that has no real existential value. Like, can that cheapen praise? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Paul tells Thank us you. in all things give thanks. Okay. Right? So what what we when you realize that as the scripture states, it is God that works the will and the do in men. Okay. You recognize that everything that happens is allowed by God. So you know what? God, you recognize that I had a really rough day and I really needed to get home in time to watch this show because it gives me a chance to relax. So thank you. Okay. That you thought enough about me to allow me to catch what would relax me. Okay. I think the problem is, and part of the reason why we miss the move of God is because we cheapen the move of God for without praising him, mm. right? Okay. So when something good happens and we don't praise God, mm. it cheapens what he did for us. It, we kind of laugh at people who think like, oh, wow, God, thank you for the sunset, right? But like Pastor just stated, the sunset looks different depending on where you're standing. Mm. And what may be a big deal to you may not be a big deal to me, but I can't tell you that you shouldn't praise God for something that was a big deal to you that wasn't a big deal to me. Okay, I love that explanation. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me too. And you know, he, he also focuses on, like you said, you know, the sunset and to, for me anyway, it's just you know, driving down the car, uh, driving down the road in the mm -hmm. car and looking at the trees and everything. And I, and I always thank God, I was like, this, picture mm -hmm. is beautiful and God painted this picture. Also, being here on Ambo TV is just a blessing and God made this happen. And right now we have to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Daniel Fusco, but right now I want to head back to Pastor Levi Lusco in Kalispell, Montana. Let's go ahead and check him out. Look at it. It's in um, verse 12. He says, dear friends, or one translation says, hey, beloved, guys, I love you. Listen, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked when it happens. Instead, rejoice. In other words, do the exact opposite of the thing that comes naturally to you when things go badly for you. Because the natural thing to do is to be shocked. Like, why is this happening? Tense up. Why is this happening? If God loves me, why is this happening? Well, hold on a second. First of all, you know that it's the most natural thing in the world to think that your pain is exceptional, right? Whenever we hurt, we always feel like no one has ever hurt the way I hurt right now. We always feel that. And we feel like there's no way I can get through this because it hurts so bad. But Peter's saying, resist that tendency. It's not like something crazy exceptional has happened to you. It's just the normal thing of living on this earth, first of all, and following Christ, which, which also invites complexity and persecution. As Jesus said, if the world hated me, the world's gonna hate you sometimes too. So it's perfectly normal 
things are going according to the plan. When, when hard things come your way, don't think that this is something strange, that this is something abnormal. Everything's still going according to plan. And I think it, it gives us context to remember, lots of other people have suffered the way we're suffering and have done so triumphantly. Lots of people have faced what you are facing today. I'm not minimizing how much it hurts, but I just want you to know, you're not the only person who's ever faced this. It's not like something strange has happened. It's not like the wheels have come off the universe like it feels. In your head, there's like warning light, warning light, abort, abort, right? Every time, every time. But God's like, nope, I've got lots of people through this. Whatever you're facing throughout history, God has triumphantly brought his sons and daughters through what you are facing today. So don't think that something strange is happening. Don't believe the lies the enemy speaks that says no one's ever suffered the way I am. And the other lie is there's no way through this. That's a lie from the enemy. There is a way through this. And he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's going to get you through this. I want to speak this to you. This too shall pass. You will not always hurt like you hurt today. Just keep going. Just keep getting up. The, nothing strange has happened. It's just the normal stuff that happens to every single person and hardships come your way. So don't freak out. Don't doubt in the storm what he told you on the shore. Just keep paddling to get to the other side. He said he's going to get you to the other side. You're going to get through the valley of the shadow of death. So don't you dare set up a camp and stay in the valley. Come on, you got to get through to the other side. You see that sunlight? Keep going. You see that light? Just keep moving towards that light. Just, just keep moving. Rejoice. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say when it comes to your pain, suffer expectantly. Suffer expectantly. For God is up to something. He's working in your pain. But in the hard things, we can truly believe that God is going to produce something powerful. We said at the very beginning of the series that pain verifies, clarifies, and purifies. It verifies the legitimacy of our faith. It clarifies what's important and what's not. And it has a way of, of purifying our motives, purifying our hearts. And I'm going to add one last uh, clarifier to that. Pain also weaponizes us and makes us a threat to the darkness because of the way it changes us. It makes us more like Jesus. Right, Pastor Lusco, I mean, getting real deep on it, right? We were feeling it here in the studio. Boy, I am floored. Yeah, look, so, but he's talking a lot about, and we talk about this a lot on the mm -hmm. show, too, about how God is always working mm -hmm. behind the scenes, double overtime, the mm -hmm. holiday pay, like God is always working, but sometimes we just don't see it. Like, mm -hmm. like you know, we, we can't really see the behind the scenes stuff, mm -hmm. you know, so... How would you kind of help somebody to cope with not being able to see, or how would you help them kind of recognize when God's working in their life? My senior pastor, Jarrell Solomon, preached the Valley of Dry Bones. Okay. And he said something that I never thought about. He said that if God had not taken the prophet to the valley of dry bones, he would have never seen God restore the valley. Mm. He said, it's in the valley that I realized or I was given the front seat to see God move and to watch God work. The apostle says, I take joy in my infirmities, mm. that the power of Christ can rest on me. 
So I would say to you, anytime you find yourself in a difficult situation where it's hard to believe, instead of thinking about how hard it is or everything that's going wrong, say to yourself, well, that's another opportunity for God to show out in my life. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier, you and I off screen, about Lazarus. Uh -huh. And when Jesus chose to go at that specific time, and Jesus recognized that the culture and the customs of that time meant that when he did go, there would be a crowd of witnesses to watch how Lazarus comes out of the grave and in the next chapter is sitting at the table with Jesus. I love it. And that was such a great explanation too. I told you, you really kind of opened my eyes and now I'm looking at that story from a different perspective. And that's why I love what we do here at Amble. We're always kind of finding new ways to look at scripture and, and sermons. And, and it's just opening my eyes and everyone else's eyes at home to um, just a new way, you know, to learn the Bible. Uh, that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump right back to Pastor Chris Emmett in Forsyth, Georgia. Let's go ahead and check him out. So Elisha prayed to the, sir, to, to the Lord that the servant's eyes would be open. His eyes were open. He sees the armies of God around him. That did not keep the Aramean army from attacking, from advancing. Eyes are open, presence of God there. The army still starts moving forward. Notice Elisha doesn't run away, nor does he run toward to attack. He just says, Lord, please move on our behalf. See, the army still starts moving in. The pressure is still coming in. Elisha doesn't run away. Elisha doesn't run toward him and go, well, let's just go fight himself. He just says, Lord, please move. Lord, please work. Lord, please show up. Lord, please make them blind. Lord, please do what only you can do. Third and final idea is this, is let God work. Let God work. You may go, okay, I'm, I'm going to fear not. I'm going to worry not. I'm going to be anxious not. Okay, uh, Lord, I see you, you there. I see your presence. I, I see you in my life, but I still need to fix it. I still need to work things out myself. You don't see Elisha, nor the servant running away, nor running toward the army. They just said, Lord, please move. Lord, please work. And I want you to notice that the last part of verse 18, it says, so the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha didn't do anything. Elisha's servant didn't do anything. It was the Lord who delivered. It was the Lord that worked. It was the Lord that showed up. It was the power of God experienced in and through their lives. Not the power of Elisha, not the power of a servant, not their brilliance, not their creativity, not their strategy. It was simply their prayer saying, Lord, please show up. Lord, please move. And you might be there today in this moment going, I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out of this room. I've got a doctor's appointment this week. I've got a meeting with an attorney this week. I've got a boardroom meeting. I'm sitting in a classroom. I've got a difficult conversation. I look at my bank account. I look at the bills sitting on the desk at home. I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, please show up. Lord, please work. Lord, please move. So what happens, we go, oh, yeah, the power of God is in my life, but I think he might need some help. Yeah, 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 the power of God is with me. I get it. I can experience that. But if I don't come up with some creative solution, this is not going to go well. And we thank, the, <laughs> we thank the power of God that brought Christ Jesus back from the, head, from the dead needs our help. Well, Lord, I, I realize you created the earth and I get all that and you overcame that. But, but Lord, you, you might need me to step in and just in case you don't. Let God work. You're going, yeah, but, but what if it doesn't go my way? It may not. 
but what if it doesn't happen in my timing? It might not. I don't know about you, I would much rather have the power of God working in and through me than just the power of God sitting back there and me doing it on my own. Just let God do his work. Let him be great, right? Like, just let God be great. And so a lot of times we can rush, you know, mm -hmm. arrogance or impatience or like we try to rush God's assistance. Like, mm -hmm. how arrogant is that? That's like totally a human thing to do. So like, what, what, are, like, what are some of the downsides of, of trying to rush God's hand? You look at Abraham. Okay. One of my favorite stories when it comes to this, because God promises Abraham a son. Okay. He promises that he's going to bear a son through Sarah. But some time goes on, and Abraham is like, it's just not possible. Mm. Sarah's like, no, it's not. So go and lay with my handmaid. Mm -hmm. And Ishmael is born. But that wasn't what God promised. So now... When God does send the son through Sarah, now there's an issue. Mm. Because the product of your work and the product of God's work now clash. Mm. To the point where as they got older, they still fought. To this day, they're still fighting. What you cause to happen and what God calls to happen will clash if you rush and go before God. It's like when I was younger, and it's human nature to want to be independent mm -hmm. and just do things. And I was the second oldest of 13, so I felt like my mother didn't really have the time or the energy to focus on me. So I felt like I had to make things happen for myself. And I remember going to college and dealing with the financial aid office, and she said to me, why didn't you tell me that this was going on? I said, well, you had so much going on, I didn't think, and this is our mindset, God has so much going on, I don't think he has time for my issue. Okay. And she said to me, I am your mother. And there are things that a parent can get done that you can't. Mm. And God is saying the same thing to us. I am your God. Mm. And there are things that I can make happen that you could never make happen in your own power. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amazing. Pastor Emmanuel is delivering sermon here today on Ambo TV. Whether he knows it or not, I'm probably pretty sure that he doesn't. But anyway, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. But when we come back, we have a special treat for you guys. We have author Christian Mills here to talk about her new book, Surrendered. You're definitely going to want to stick around for that. So we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome to Ambo TV. I'm Dean Windsor, and today we have a very special guest in the studio. We have author of the book, Surrendered, Christian Mills. Christian, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. We love when people are excited. So I want to dive right in. Okay. Because, and this is a really cool book. Thank and you. So now what I'm getting from it is that the reason you wrote it, like what motivated you to write it in the first place was that you went looking for a book like this and couldn't find it. Could you kind of yeah. like elaborate on that experience? Yes. So when I was going through my surrendered journey, I really wanted to be able to read something that would tell me like, what am I doing when I'm ready to give control over to God? Because even getting to the place where like as an independent woman, you're like, okay, I'm used to being in control. I'm used to handling everything. And now God, you want control 
I struggled with that. And so I was looking for a book that could help me. I searched on Amazon. I searched on Barnes and Nobles. I asked people in my life like that were pastors or in ministry. And I did not find anything. And if I did find something, it was about marriage. So it was like how to surrender or submit in your marriage. And I'm like, no, it's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Just want to know how to surrender to God and like trust God to lead my life. And even though I had tug of war over going through the experiences that led me through the book and writing the book, um, I felt like there are other people. And so I just hope that my book can tell people how to actually surrender and what it means, because I feel like it's such a buzzword in the church realm. Um, and a lot of people don't know what it really means. Like we're saying I'm surrendering when I put my hands up or I'm surrendering because it's cool. But we don't know actually the weight of what it means to surrender. Mm, I mean, it, it's a cliche, too. And, and, and it's even a, a you know, like a secular cliche yeah. to let go and let God. Exactly. Yeah. But so, do you really want to let God? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, we, we throw that, that, that cliche around, that phrase around a yeah. lot without really living by it. And, Absolutely. And you talk a, a lot uh, in the book about, you know, your personal struggles and, and surrendering. Yeah. So from career, living situation, um, do you feel that, you know, surrendering is something that that it can cross into secular that 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 it's something that everyone can benefit from absolutely i think that you hear people talk about the universe mm. um and that uh, has always yeah. hits bad for me because I, it's god it's just yeah. god period okay oh, yeah, so me. the universe is aligning things on my behalf or yeah. the universe is uh -huh. this you know it's the lord First of all, thank you. Um, and second of all, yes. So the concept of surrendering is actually allowing God to lead. Like God will not force his will on us. That's one thing he says. That's one thing that he drives home in the Bible. So I could be wanting to do whatever I want to do and God's going to let me do it. It's not until I decide within my will to go and align with what he has for me that then I can really receive and follow his directions. So even if you're not a believer, but you have enough faith to think, OK, there's someone who already predestined my life that knows how it's going to go. And if I choose his path and directions versus choosing my own, knowing that they're already preset, you have so much more peace. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that can translate whether you're a believer or not. So now I, I also want to, because you touch on, you know, thinking mm -hmm. that you're surrendering, right? but you're really not. Yeah. So can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so that's in hindsight, it's actually really funny. Um, because it's like, no, girl, you are not surrendering at all. <laughs> you were like conditionally surrendering. So I feel like conditionally surrendering is when you're like, okay, God, I hear you telling me this is not a good friendship. So I'm going to leave this friendship and I know you're going to bless me because I did what I was supposed to do. Mm. And that was kind of where I was. Like I had been in a situation where I was like, okay, God, well, I don't necessarily want to give up all control, but like, I'll give you this living situation. I'll have enough faith to seek your face and be in your presence and be present while I figure out what's going to happen next and like seek you for that. But I still want to be Lord over my finances and my relationship and all these other categories. And that's not total surrender. And I can't be playing tug of war. I feel like surrender is a journey, but it does also take commitment. So I have to be committed to letting God lead. I can't be trying to pull back that role. You also referenced Jeremiah 29. Yes. Why did you choose that specific 
passage. So Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse I heard a lot. Um, my parents are pastors. Um, and even growing up, that was a verse that you just hear a lot. I feel like when you're like an adolescent in the church, it's like you hear a lot of verses, but you always hear Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay. And so one thing that's always kind of been strong for me is that I know God has the plans he has for me. There have been moments where I questioned it, like this isn't you, Jesus, this is the enemy. Mm. Um, but there are moments that even feel like the enemy is attacking you that God had to give him permission so that you can get whatever lesson you had to get out of that. And I did not know that, but I know that now where it's like, okay, even though things are crashing down, even though it seems like my life is being flipped upside down, I know the plans God has for me. So I'm big on Jeremiah 29, 11 and Romans 8, 28, because if everything looks like it's crashing down, I know that God knows the plans he has for me and I know it's all gonna work together for the good. That's beautiful. Now, Thank you. Now, what have you learned personally about you know surrendering by writing the book? Yeah. Even writing the book was a surrender process because I was just telling my mom on the way here, like, what I live, like, the book really chronicles, like, a two-year period of me learning how to surrender mm. and just my life being flipped upside down from my personal life to my job to hitting a rough patch in my relationship to my finances. It's just, like, I spilled it all out there, mm. and I'm not that type of person with people <laughs> anyway. So when God kind of led me to write this book, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, I'll tell my testimony but I don't know if I need to be in the book. I don't know if people need to know all my business. That's not who I am as a person. Um, but the Lord just wanted me to say, like, there are so many other people that need to surrender that this message needs to be out there. And then if it doesn't get out there, like, you're going to be the person that's hindering that. And so I had to surrender to the process of writing the book. Um, I had to surrender to the fact that, you know, you want to write a book and you want it to blow up immediately and you want it to be yeah. all these things. And even in launching the book, there were so many attacks. Like I had a release party that was planned and then just like the event space that I was having, it was letting me have it for free and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And then like a week before, some things happened at that event space, so I had to cancel it. And then there have been other things that I've been wanting to do with the book that just there's been attack after attack. But I've had to surrender and trust that God had me write this book for a reason, that it's gonna reach the people that it's supposed to reach. And ultimately, his will for the book is going to happen and the message is going to get out there. And it's like less about me, but more about the message at this point, because I wasn't even really trying to share the message at first. So now what, what would be the one thing I know you said earlier, mm -hmm. but what would be the biggest takeaway you would want a reader to have when they pick up the book or, or when they turn, mm. when they close the back? Sure. Um, I think I'll have two if I can sneak into. Okay, sure. Um, the one would be that the tests are normal. Okay. So one thing I talk about in my book is daily tests and then seasonal tests. Oh. So the difference between those moments, like you said, in the day where everything was going good, but like someone cuts you off in your car mm. or a coworker gets smart. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, do I want to be Christ-like or do I just want to be Christian right now? All like right. <laughs> <laughs> Christian myself, not the saved person. Yes. Um, and then there's seasonal tests. Like mine were seasonal tests of surrender. God was literally testing me in every area of my life to see if I would allow him to lead and surrender. Mm -hmm. And so... I think that those things are normal. We don't hear enough about the fact that you will be tested and that there will be attacks and that that's just challenging you and preparing you for your purpose. So that's the one thing that I would say. And the second thing is that your peace is really relying on your surrender. It's relying on your yes. So everything I went through taught me that life is so much easier when I let God lead. But again, he won't force his will on us, so I have to let God lead. And I think that when you close my book, that is what I want you to be able to walk away with. That A, surrendering is achievable, knowing what it is, and knowing that if you give God that, I tell people my analogy, okay? If you're driving, and you're used to driving your car, I'm 26 years old, so I've been used to driving the wheel in my life for about 24 years, okay? okay? 
So I had to make a conscious decision to move over to the passenger seat and let God drive the last mm. two years. Okay. And so people need to know that you can do it, that you can surrender, that it's achievable, but you got to be willing to move over and let God lead. I love it. That's beautiful. All right. So surrendered. Uh, where can folks find the book? Sure. You can actually find my book at thesurrenderedlife.co. So okay. it's .co, not .com. And it is actually newly on Amazon. So you can also search it on Amazon and order it there. And if you happen to be in Delaware anytime soon, my book release and signing is November 24th in Newcastle, Delaware. So that information will be on my website as well. All right. Awesome. Well, Christian, thank you so much for being here. It was lovely meeting you. Thank you, you so much for having me. Scholarly woman. Oh, thank you. And I can't wait. Are we working on any more books? Is, or do uh, we have anything in I the wings? I have to pray. You know, this is actually my second book. And oh, every time I write a book, I tell people I'm not writing another book, but God has other plans. All right. It was an honor having you here. Thank you so much. And I really hope that you grace us with your presence again soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Awesome. I'm Dean Windsor, and this is Ambo TV. God wants to restore to each one of us a holy awe, a wonder. He wants us to move through life with our hearts open, our eyes tuned in to the vivid colors of the nature of God, our ears open to hear the song of creation and the song of the good news. He wants our hands to be involved in the recreation of all that is broken until Jesus returns. As I bring this message to a close, I just want to encourage you, what does it look like for you to behold God's glory today? Pastor Fusco capping it off with God's glory. And as we do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guests to please give us some scripture that goes along with that short clip that we just watched. Absolutely. If you go to John chapter 11, verse 40, uh, it says, Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you would just believe, you would see the glory of God? So it doesn't matter what the situation looks like. If you just believe, I guarantee you God's going to reveal his glory. All right, I love that. Pastor Emmanuel, thank you so much thank for joining for us again. Uh, Excelling Church, opening right here in Manhattan in January. Definitely check that out to our partnering churches, Fresh Life Church with Pastor Levi Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Chris and Crossroads Community Church with Pastor Daniel. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. And thank you to Christian Mills for stopping by. Go pick up her book, Surrendered. It will bless and encourage you. And to see the complete sermons and other great sermons, head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content there for you guys. You can sign up for our newsletter and subscribe to our new podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you guys so much for watching. Good night, and I'll see you next week.